Hello and welcome to Hacked Off. In today's episode, well, it's the end of the month, so let's do a month in review. What has been happening in the wide world of cybersecurity and what's been happening here at Sakama? Um, well, the wide world is ransomware. It's always ransomware. I get so incredibly frustrated that every time we want to look and do a month in review and talk about something interesting, something different, what's cutting edge in cybersecurity, it very frequently is just another company has been hit by ransomware. This time around, though, there are a few details that are worth mentioning. So I'll I'll briefly talk a little bit about who's been hit, what's happened, and why it might be more interesting than it's just another ransomware, on account of the fact that ransomware is now, what, 31 years old? Jeez. Um, Yeah, I've mentioned it previously on this podcast, but the earliest ransomware that I know of is the Ed's Trojan, released in 1989, making it 31 years old. This month, though, we have seen uh, more organizations hit by ransomware and then paying the ransom. This isn't new. The idea of paying the ransom certainly isn't new. We've talked about that previously with uh, TravelX, who were hit uh, in January, or I guess December 31st, whenever you want to count the start of that attack being. Uh, They were hit by a pretty serious ransomware attack and ended up paying $2.3 million earlier in the year. Um, since then, though, we're now seeing uh, articles about CWT, a travel company, um, paying their ransom, and that one was even bigger. I, I thought the TravelX uh, ransom payment at $2.3 million was significant, but there's news reports now saying that CWT paid a ransom of $4.5 million. That's a huge, huge figure. I guess this this leads on to... Why don't we ever see, like, interesting malicious software? Why don't we ever see anything that's, you know, like, a little bit different or a little bit out there than ransomware? And why do we see huge organizations, like TravelX as a a very large organization, getting hit by uh, really deep, really effective attacks, and then the outcome being ransomware? Well, because from the threat actor's point of view, it works, right? It just works. Uh, 2.3 million, 4.5 million, huge payouts, so it it works. Why are these interesting though, other than 4.5 million is a huge figure? Um, in the CWT instance, there has actually been uh, disclosed the conversation between CWT and the, the threat actors, or I guess like the, the negotiation where they're talking about, you know, how much they will pay and um, the the fact that, you know, they, they can kind of negotiate on price kind of thing. It's a really, really... Um, interesting thing to see because very often uh we we don't get those those kinds of details out but it turns out that cwt paid the ransom and some of the um discussion is is still available a part of that discussion also mentions that the threat actors saying they will uh remove all of the files from from their servers to to prevent any kind of leak and this links on to uh, something that we've mentioned being a risk previously on this podcast, which is if an organization is hit by ransomware, that isn't necessarily the end of the story. That isn't necessarily it complete. So uh, ransomware will restrict a business or an individual's access to files, but that doesn't mean that the threat actor hasn't taken copies of those files and then couldn't use those copies as leverage for a potential data breach. So it's not only if you don't pay the ransom, do you not have access to your files. And in the case of TravelX, 
you know, have restricted business operations for weeks and weeks. Uh, but also, if you don't pay the ransom, it could be that the threat actors uh, threaten to to disclose files and make it into a data breach. So then all of the difficulties that come with that from brand damage and, and those kinds of things. So uh, the CWT uh, attack, significant because we saw the chat, which is... Um, somewhat odd and and the the ransomware pen being huge not the only ones to be hit though we're also seeing garmin uh being hit i think anyone who uses these devices will will know that there is a um a difficulty here even if you don't follow the news but if you have a garmin device as uh on july 23rd uh they suffered an outage and outages can frequently be that you know the precursor or the kind of a public notification that a breach has taken place. Not that all outages are breaches, but it's unusual for major organizations to have significant breaches. We would hope it, it does happen, but we would hope. Uh, so if a major outage occurs, that can you know draw people's attention. In this instance with Garmin, it, it was because of a, a fairly significant um, ransomware attack. The interesting thing about this one is um, something that, that I mentioned um, previously being something to consider when you're doing incident response testing. However you do incident response testing, if it's tabletop scenarios or, or wargaming, if you prefer to refer to them like that, or if you're doing something a little bit more technical, a little bit more hands-on, um, play through how public disclosure works and don't make the presumption that your PR team are going to be the ones that are in charge of all of the details coming out. So in the Garmin example, uh, yes, there was an outage and people maybe drew attention and saw like, oh, what, what's happening here? Is this, uh, you know, an unfortunate IT failure or is it, or is it a, a, an attack? And, and here we see um, employees shared photos of encrypted workstations. That's happened with previous breaches that, that I've worked on, not necessarily to this um, significance, but where um, when a breach takes place, it's not unusual for employees to like, tweet about it and stuff or something happens in there um let people know i know in one instance um uh, an anonymous tweeter uh tweeted that their organization had been breached and you scroll up far enough in their in their twitter history and you can work out who they worked for because six months prior they said just got a new job at naming the company so uh for staff to disclose this kind of thing not necessarily the initial breach, but to disclose details of the breach, specifics of what's happening, details of the ransomware, not that they're like reverse engineering or anything like that, but um, like this, photographs of um, files being uh, encrypted. In the case of um, Garmin, it was the, the files were tagged um, Garmin Wasted, which is an interesting kind of... Um, operational title for this one but for staff members to, to leak that kind of information is something that you should play through in your playbooks don't just consider you know what would our organization do if there is an incident but break that incident down to what would our organization do if it was this type of incident so how do we handle a malware outbreak how do we handle specifically a ransomware outbreak not only the technical side of things in your playbook but how do we manage the pr how do we make sure that we're disclosing the right kind of information at the right time, that that information is, is accurate and handling things like employees who might just tweet things that they might not realize can have a negative impact or might just catch you off. You could be in your little war room preparing for what your public statement's gonna be, getting the wording just right, getting the PR team to, to get the spin just right. 
And then an employee just tweets, lol, desktop ransomware, or, or a photograph of the ransomware notification or something like that. So it's, it's a thing to consider um, in your playbooks. But um, Garmin have uh, received a decryptor for their uh, ransomware. CWT have received a decryptor for their ransomware. Um, it's interesting in the in the CWT case, something I didn't mention a second ago, was uh, during the negotiations, the, the threat actor um, offered to decrypt a few files for free because that's the thing with ransomware, isn't it? Um, we have seen previously where ransomware has been like a really a data destruction tool wrapped up in the guise of a ransomware. Think of NotPetya. Good example there back from 2017 where it looked like ransomware, but if the files weren't really decryptable, decryptable it's not a real word but you know what I mean um then uh, that has a different spin a different impact on the business um I think some businesses might take the stance of if we get hit by ransom where we pay the ransom and um that might not be possible for various technical reasons there may in the future be various legal reasons why that might not be possible but just specifically if you pay the ransom you might not know that you'll get the files back uh, but in the in the case of the CWT ransomware, like I said, the, the threat actor is offering to decrypt a few files for free to kind of prove that it was possible, prove that they had access. I guess on one hand, prove that they are the correct threat actors and they're talking to the right people um, and, and not just uh, an opportunistic person looking to make some cryptocurrency, uh, but also proving that, you know, if you give us the money, we'll give you your files. So that's, that's interesting. But... That's ransomware, right? We've been talking about this uh, for a while. I imagine in next month's month in review, I would be, if we wanted to, pick another company who's been hit by ransomware. Um, so definitely a good time to take a look at how your organization would handle ransomware. And one of the things that we see very frequently when we uh, look to organizations, incident response plans, we look through BCPs, those kinds of things, uh, business continuity plans. Um, a lot of companies considering uh, protections through things like backups, but maybe not considering, yes, ransomware could become a data leak, as I mentioned earlier, files are stolen, and then also not considering things like the, the PR side of things. So ransomware, old, but maybe maybe there's some nuance there that we haven't previously considered. What else has been happening uh, this month? Uh, something that I don't want to talk about, but I just want to mention because it's quite interesting. I was on Sky News uh, this week, Sunday morning, early start to talk about the TikTok acquisition. Uh, I don't want to talk in depth about that because um, by the time you hear this, I'm recording this a couple of days before it goes live, there'll be more happening. It's a developing story. It's ongoing. So if I say anything or make any opinions, uh, it, it might be wrong. But as it stood on Sunday, I was talking to Sky News, not about, um, you know, why might uh, President Trump be looking to to ban, ban being the word that he used, uh, TikTok or, or any social network, but specifically how technically could that be introduced? And this is the reason I wanted to mention it here, because it's, it's quite interesting as uh, consumers, it's also quite interesting as, as businesses. Um, a lot of people that I've seen, I've been talking on, on LinkedIn, talking on Twitter a lot with people about the specifics as this story develops, but people are talking about things like, if they are banning a social network because of user privacy, then, you know, TikTok is not the only social network, and it's certainly not the only social network that has previously had privacy implications. A, a good go-to exemplar, of course, is Cambridge Analytica with Facebook, Um you know, if they're looking to ban them because of privacy, then they should be maybe broadening their uh, their sites a little bit. 
And if they're looking to ban them because of um, national security, this idea that TikTok is owned by ByteDance, which is a Chinese organization. So maybe it's not the taking of the data that's the issue, it's the sharing of the data that's the issue. A lot of a lot of discourse about that at the moment and no doubt by the time you listen to this there'll be more information available about the specifics however one of the things that i haven't seen very many people talking about is how technically would a ban be implemented and, and how might that impact tiktok's business i did see one person on linkedin uh, who mentioned that if they block it at the isp level then vpns exist so that can be bypassed and if they you know remove it from the play store pressure apple or google to remove it from their app stores then, you know, on, on Android platforms, certainly, uh, or jailbroken iPhone devices, you can sideload applications or load applications onto devices w- without needing like, the official app store. And whilst that's true, I think that misses some of the nuance of this story, that the risk here is in part, if we're considering this, you know, national security consideration, the risk here in part is not that users are using this application, it's the number of users that are using this application and the ways in which they're using it and the amount of data that can be stolen. Um, One estimation saying that TikTok has 800 million active monthly users. Um, If it's banned and just becomes difficult to use, well, yes, technically you can still install it and technically you can still um, bypass any ISP level protection, then it could still impact TikTok severely. But one more thing. It isn't only those restrictions that could be placed. It has been and previously stated by by both platforms, so iOS and Android. And in the case of Android specifically, it's been used before. The platforms have the capability to remotely remove applications. So it's not only the case that, um, you know, users can no longer download it, but lots of people already have it installed, so it doesn't matter. Um, They can actually remotely remove applications. Um, in the case of uh, Android, so Google, it's uh, it's been done previously with an application that the specifics are a bit kind of um, blurry, but uh, some security researchers released an application. The kind of uh, information around what the application was for and what they were doing with uh, users' devices wasn't accurate. They removed that application from the Play Store themselves, and then Google took the step to remove it from users' devices. So they have that capability, and that's just an interesting swing on the TikTok story that I haven't seen people talking about just yet. So it's a little bit more than privacy. It actually comes down to um, ownership of our devices. We consider ourselves to own our mobile devices when we buy them, but if platforms retain that level of control of them, um, maybe we don't have the same level of ownership that we think we do. And with the common kind of um, caveat of of people being able to install um, custom ROMs or being able to jailbreak their devices, those kinds of things, that isn't, you know, a a mainstream thing. It isn't, you know, the major user base who who are taking those actions are running those uh, modified software. So it's just something, something to bear in mind and something that's an interesting aspect of that story. So that's ransomware, that's social networks. Uh, What else? Well, at Sakama, one thing that I wanted to point out uh, just at the end of this podcast is we're we're actually planning on doing a series of webinars. Now, the idea here would be that we we pick an interesting topic of of something that we do. So so maybe we'd look at something like um, internal infrastructure penetration testing or web application penetration testing and put together like a 60 or 90 minute presentation about specifically how that works. So um, sometimes we we do share like this you know, like kind of technical approach stuff uh, to 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 users to customers, 
because it's it's interesting and from like an awareness point of view how security testing takes place is is a great benefit to software developers to understand the other side of the equation of how testing works and it's it's really interesting for people looking to get into security testing those kinds of things and of course it's interesting for people who maybe want to consider Sakama as a provider who wanted to see how we work want to maybe meet some of the technical team and, and understand you know what we do and how we do it so we've been considering these things we've done things like this previously to some degree for example we've uh, been involved in the cyber first program taking academy students uh, through hands-on workshops teaching them you know a little bit about cybersecurity industry from a career point of view a little bit about specifically pen testing which is sakama's focus and, and how we do that and we just like to take content of that nature and start um, releasing it on, on a little bit of a regular cycle. So maybe, you know, once a month or something like that, we'll do a, you know, a, a free training session where you can meet the team, see some cool hacks. And if you're interested in what we do, then, of course, you can um, in- investigate, you know, buying those services from us. Or if not, it's just cool to see how hackers hack and how pen testing actually works. So the reason that I wanted to mention that on this podcast is... Um, let us know the kind of content that you'd like to see. The kind of thing that I'm developing at the moment is, um, you know, how we do the things that we do, some hacking demonstrations, how common vulnerabilities work, and pretty much anything that fits into the misconception side of security. So how maybe software developers think a certain attack works, or how uh, business leaders think the maximum risk from a certain vulnerability is, um, and trying to show some some edge cases or some some cases where that could be maybe a little bit more impactful or a little bit easier, um, or just a little bit different to what to what people think it is. So we're building that content right now, we're going to start sharing that uh, very soon. But if you've got any kind of feedback, if there's something that you want to see, please let us know over social media. Um, or if that just sounds good, then make sure you follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever your platform of choice is, and you'll see when we start publishing that uh, that content. You'll see so you can get yourself booked on a webinar if that sounds interesting but but let us know what you think i'd be really interested to see and that's it for this month's monthly roundup more of the same more ransomware more ransoms paid more potential data breaches and hopefully something a little bit different in terms of some um free training webinars i'll see you in the next podcast